that lowly hillside, we pray that you multiply your word so that we may all be satisfied. We pray that you guide us into a deeper experience with you, dear Lord, and we pray that our souls may be refreshed as we come before you. We pray that you remove the speaker and that Jesus Christ, you may be clearly seen today. And I pray that you continue to bless us as we worship and honor your holy name. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I imagine that whenever we gather together to worship our Lord, that he is present. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered, you know the rest of it, there I am in the midst. And so we acknowledge that Jesus Christ, that God himself is involved, especially on a day like this. God rested after he created the world and gave us the Sabbath day and as if there is that special time that we get to come together and worship and honor his name and I imagine him being present too. And so I pray that you may keep that in mind. This morning I would like to begin with a story about a woman by the name of Anne Steele who was born in 1716. She was born way before I was born in the little village of Broughton, Hampshire, near Southampton, England. She was the eldest daughter of a timber merchant who was also an unsalaried Baptist minister. He would travel and do preaching engagements, and Annie was one of those children who had experienced a lot of sorrow and a lot of pain, a lot of problems in life. In fact, when she was younger, she had an accident that paralyzed her for the rest of her life. Annie Steele. In addition to her unfortunate accident, she suffered even more extreme sorrow when, as she was preparing for her wedding day, her fiancé died the night before. He drowned. Just imagine the pain and the sorrow in a woman's heart to know that the wedding day is coming, it's just tomorrow, and then fiancé passed. Annie was a consecrated Christian and poet. She loved her God. She was faithful to God. And even though she had experienced great difficulty in life, she would spend most of her time writing poems and hymns and psalms. Annie, before she died, wrote 144 hymns, 34 psalms, and 30 poems. Some of her songs we do sing today in our own hymnal. For example, song number 15, you might already know it. My maker and my king, to thee my all I owe. Thy sovereign bounty is the spring whence all my blessings flow. There is something about trials. When we experience great sorrow in life, there, there's a depth to our songs, a depth to our, our singing. There, there's something that happens in the human heart, especially when you go through difficult times. How do you still sing when things are not going so well? How do you keep the joy and happiness together when things fall apart? Have you seen problems recently? I know most of us, when we gather together on Sabbath mornings, we, it's hard to see the difficulties and the pain and the sorrow behind the smiles that we bring on Sabbath morning. But as our faces differ, our struggles, our problems differ too. And I imagine that there are some of you this morning who have been going through a hard time. It, 
maybe the problem is not the loss of a, of a husband or the loss of a wife, but yet still your burdens are heavy to bear. The problems are being experienced. And it is true, statistics do show that one out of every one individual will go through a problem in their lifetime. Someone once said, you are either in a problem, coming out of one, or heading towards one. Have you ever had problems? Problems always seem to show up at the most inconvenient moments in life. The bills always seem higher just when your account is the lowest. Your car always breaks down just when you've made a major purchase and there's no money left in the bank. People always seem to say something mean or cruel just when you are the most self-conscious or worried about your, something in your character or the way you look. Man, you've you put on some weight. Excuse me? Who are you again? There is always traffic on the road when you are running late. And always those pesky construction. Always the food always seems to burn just when you are hungry or in a hurry. Does anyone know what I'm talking about when I say problems? If you ever had problems in your life or if you're having problems now, you have joined a long line of believers, a line that stretches all the way back from Adam and Eve coming to yours and my generation. It includes a list of faithful and unfaithful people who have tried their best to handle the difficulties that a sinful world brings to them. The merchant in the store to the king on the throne, the peasant on the streets to the governor in the palace, the, and no matter how tight you may lock your doors and try to avoid problems, problems always come knocking. And sometimes this intruder breaks into your home, kicking the doors down even without your permission. This long line stretches pretty far back. Habakkuk was one who had joined the line. He had problems. A prophet of God. Habakkuk chapter 3 is where our sermon comes from. The title is Heinz Feet. This lowly prophet had lived during a time of national apostasy. You see, Habakkuk, as a prophet who was to be the mouthpiece for God, saw low, a low, very low impact that God was making on his generation. He seemed to be failing at his task as a prophet. No matter how much he preached, no matter how much he prayed, it was just the same. No matter how much the, 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 the prophet spoke, things just didn't change. His discouragement was evident as he saw that the results were little to none. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. A minor prophet, not minor because of any place or stance, but minor simply because he only took three chapters to talk about what he needed to talk about. Jeremiah took much longer. Isaiah took his time, but Habakkuk just wanted to let you know in three chapters what he thought. A minor prophet. Habakkuk had some interesting experiences. On the cusp of a national uh, problem with the Babylonians coming to capture God's people, Habakkuk had a message to bear. And so, this prophet 
handles his burden like most of us do. He had seen the good days under King Josiah, who had restored the law. But yet, even though he had seen a revival, the prophet saw it all go away in a matter of days when another king came to the throne. Habakkuk had seen the sacrifice of precious children to dumb idols, and he had seen the groves with the shrines dedicated to idolatry. He had seen sexual promiscuity. He had seen the violence and bloodshed, and this prophet was perturbed by the many hypocr hypocr hypocrisies that people who were in religious circles, they would say one thing and yet do another. Habakkuk, this minor prophet, knew the content and the context in which he lived. These were problematic times. Further, what exasperated this man's problem was that these things were happening not in the world, but among God's people. The law enforcement agencies in Judah were not able to deal with the many violent outbreaks, and so when you would call 911, no one would come running to your, to your help, to your aid. Things were just too bad. The judicial system had failed. Men had their own interests, and criminals would simply get a slap on the, on the hand, and they would go scotch-free as the righteous would suffer. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 4, he gives us a glimpse. The Bible says here, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 4, Therefore the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. If you were brought before the court, you knew that you would not get a fair trial. But what's worse is to be brought before a court that simply or professes to believe in God. Whenever there is injustice among God's people, it is a problem. The wicked would go free while the righteous suffered punishment. The wicked made the laws while the righteous paid the price. Innocent lives were being taken. The death toll was rising and what must a prophet do? Habakkuk had a problem. A prophet's role is to preach a message to bring righteousness back into his own space, his own environment. His influence was to be used to bring God's people back to the fold. And yet Habakkuk tried his best, but nothing would happen. This prophet of God was concerned. He would often cry out to God, and it seemed that God would not answer him. He had his moment of burden. In fact, he begins his book this way. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The burden. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Can you imagine that? Beginning your story that way. Habakkuk did not go into any kind of introduction as far as who he was. He just simply begins with his burden. What if we began all of our conversations that way? Hi, how are you doing? The burden which Jermaine saw. Habakkuk began the book, The Burden. I, I don't mean to burden you. There are sometimes we use those words in our conversations when we think about sharing what we're going through in our lives. And we say, I don't mean to burden you, but this is what I was going, I've been going through. So I'm going to take a liberty here to share with you some of my burdens. I don't mean to burden you. 
but I had some burdens this week. First, I had a few assignments that I needed to turn in, and the teachers didn't, didn't have any mercy. Another burden that I saw this week was the fact that on Tuesday, my aunt passed away. A beloved member of our family, and even now, I remember talking to my grandmother on the phone, and she was just in a daze. It was very hard to handle. I was working on a project, and I got so overwhelmed that I lost my enthusiasm. I know that these are just my burdens, and I'm sure you have yours too. But we begin our story here, the burden. In their most difficult circumstances, there's something that calms the soul about singing when burdens are in your life. When we sing songs of praises, it brings healing to our hearts. Remember, Paul and Silas were stuck in prison and worshipped and praised God, and they were delivered. Maybe if we sang more, we would also be delivered from our burdens. And just want to make an advertisement, we have a choir. So if, a lot of, if you have a lot of burdens, join the choir. A little seven-year-old boy was admitted in Bellevue Hospital after falling into a 12-feet a 12 uh, excavation and was really hurt. As he laid there on the hospital bed, the surgeon walked in to examine him to see if there were any broken bones or any other injuries that the young man had sustained during the fall. And as the doctor was doing his examination, the young boy interrupted, I wish I could sing. The doctor was a kind-hearted man. The boy continued, I wish I could sing. I, I think I would feel weller then. The doctor responded by saying, all right, laddie, you can sing. If you sing something nice, the boy took the challenge and began to sing in a high, clear soprano range, nearer my God to thee. After this boy started singing, laying on his bed, going through this examination, nurses and doctors in other rooms heard the sound of a boy singing, nearer my God to thee, and everyone started running to the room. As a result of this boy's song, over a hundred people gathered around his bed as he sang, Nearer My God to Thee. Further in the examination, the doctor said, Well, I guess you are right, little man. As he finished his examination, I can't find any broken bones. I guess it was the singing that fixed me, doctor. I always sing when I feel bad. What if we always sing when we feel bad? What would the world look like? What would it sound like? The beautiful melodies of, uh, of Christians who are joyful in the midst of trial. I remember me reading in the book Desire of Ages about Jesus singing. I wish I could have heard him sing. Was he a tenor? I think he was a tenor because I am a tenor. Was he a baritone or a bass? Jesus singing, such beautiful melody, I would presume. If we as grown-ups would 
sing when we, quote, feel bad, no matter what our loss or on our misfortune or trouble, you just might feel weller. Habakkuk's troubles warranted many questions. He spoke to God, God answered him. The key to understanding this book, this book of Habakkuk, is to, is to see it through the lens of a dialogue between a man who was frustrated and a God who would answer each time he asked a question. I was visiting with someone this week, and while we were talking, this person recounted her past and how close she was to God. And she said, you know, I want to get back to Christ, but pastor, there's something that's bothering me. I have a lot of questions. And I just can't seem to come to God because I've always been taught that you should never question God. And so I said to her, well, I might, if you will entertain for a moment, I would like to share with you some stories from the Bible of people who questioned him. Habakkuk is one of those. Jeremiah had questions. Isaiah gave an invitation in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made white as... And though they be red like crimson, they shall be made as wool. Habakkuk had a burden. He began with his burden, but in chapter 3, the prophet ends with something that I think we all should take note of. The book ends this way. Habakkuk chapter 3 in verse 1, the last chapter, the Bible says a what? A prayer. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shegunot. The prophet ended with a prayer. I wonder if we all ended our burdens with prayer. I wonder what would happen then. This is a worthy example to follow. No matter, be, no matter the beginning of our stories, we should always end all of our troubles with prayer. We should always put our burdens in the context of what God can do. You see, prayer brings about a better perspective. Prayer then becomes the lens through which our troubles are viewed, and a man who prays will inevitably be a man of praise. You see, you cannot help but to rejoice when you see that God is in control of a situation. Yeah, the bills may be high, but there is a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There's a story of an old farmer who was one day looking at his cattle. There's an old, there was a church who had been in the community for a very long time, and they were about, they, they, had, they had ran to a point where the doors were about to be closed. They had no money. And as they sat down in that meeting, the board had gathered together, and everyone had prayed, and there was this one gentleman who was, 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 was an elder, but he understood something important. And he thought about that very verse, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he prayed this humble prayer, Father, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. I pray that you will move upon a farmer to sell his cows. <laughs> and a few moments later, a farmer walked in. He said, I heard that you are in trouble. 
I was just moved to sell all my cattle. Here's the money. The church was open. God is a God of miracles. You see, Habakkuk had experienced trouble, and you can see it in the latter part of the, of the book of Habakkuk where he says, when I heard, my body trembled. Have you ever felt like that before? Where you feel this intense problem, so much so that you, you, you shiver, you, you, you tremble. Your lips quiver at, 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 the, at the voice, back at the voice of, of rottenness. The rottenness entered my bones and I trembled in myself. Can you relate? The loss of a loved one, when the tremors set in and or the burdens are bearing, the, the problems, the struggling marriage, or whatever the case may be. You're just having a hard time. You cannot speak. Your lips quiver. You, you tremble. You feel rottenness on the inside. You just can't go on. And there it is. The burden which you saw. This man's conversation with God Change his perspective. Habakkuk's conversation with God changes perspective. He recounts his experience. When I heard my body trembled, he says, says my lips quivered at the, at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones and I trembled in myself that I, oh, that I might rest in the day of trouble when he comes to the people to invade them with his troops. Habakkuk is talking about what was going to happen when Babylon comes to Judah. Babylon was on the horizon. They were about to devour everything. And Habakkuk knew that Babylon was going to take captives from Judah. Among those captives was Daniel, as this took place in 605, 605, 606 BC. And here it is, Habakkuk is seeing the impending doom, and he sees this picture of problem, of trouble, and he says, I tremble within myself. I have felt that before. And he goes on, verse 17, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail. And the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. This one thing that we know is true in the Christian experience is that God doesn't always remove our troubles from us. Sometimes he strengthens us within as we go through the struggles. The prophet further expounds the calamity and he adds the word, though. Job had used this word before. When he said, though he slay me, Yet will I trust him. That is, in spite of the circumstances, God is still worthy of praise. There may be nothing in the pantry, and even the expectation for things to change might give way to the realization that it might not. Like the three Hebrew boys approaching the fiery furnace, sometimes we have to say, but if not... I will still serve the Lord. So what if nothing changes? Does God still deserve my praise? Even if he chooses not to deliver us from our troubles, 
Is he worth praying to? The answer to these questions that comes back, the answer to these questions come back from that long line of people who have experienced troubles with a resounding yes. God is still worthy to be praised. I do not envy Job's experience. But yet still, at the end of his story, you can begin to see that Job was a man who was disciplined and, and he, he developed character through his experience with God. Brought closer into a relationship with God. Jesus himself experienced trials. He prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, take this cup away. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus did not seek to ignore the cross. He went there. And if there is ever someone, if there is ever anyone who knows what trials are, it is Christ. Our burdens will never compare to his. But yet still, he went through it. It is Satan's plan to try to get us, get us to believe that God will take us out of our problems. Sometimes he takes us through them so that we may be stronger and develop that trust in him. Yet, Habakkuk says, verse 18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. What does that mean? And he will make me walk on my high hills to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. You see, Habakkuk's prayer became a song. It was a beautiful song that came out of problems. A beautiful song that came out of trials. There's one thing that I admire of Christians, even before I was a believer in God, and that was that they had the ability to be happy no matter what happened to them. Now for sure, there are some sour ones. I heard one pastor say once that some Christians behave as if they were baptized in lemon juice. Now, not in this church. We're a happy group of people. I have this practice that I do sometimes. I walk into the grocery store or wherever I am out in, um, as I go about my business. I, 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 can, I confess to you that sometimes I randomly look at people and smile. And of course, there's an awkward moment where they, what is, who is, who is he? Do I know him? And before long, they smile back at you. And then you have those odd smiles too that you get in return. You know, what if we smiled more? What if Christians were happier? Happiness breathes happiness. Your joy in your circumstances is not only for you. It doesn't only change you. It changes the people around you. Here's the latter part of the text. God, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like, feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. The King James Version translates the word deer as hind, making it more specific. 
There's no greater joy for the believer than for him to know that to be for him to know and be sure that God is his strength. And what is that like? What is it like to have the most powerful person in the universe bearing your loads and burdens? Well, for one, your capacity to bear might be limited, but his capacity to bear burdens is infinite. While your ability to carry your loads might be might not be sufficient, his ability to carry is not just limited to your burden, he can also carry you. Young boy was watching his father one day, moving books from his library. He had his library downstairs. He was a pastor, and you know pastors tend to have extensive libraries. And he was moving his books from downstairs to the upstairs. The, the boy was probably about seven years old, not very strong, but he wanted to help his father. And so he offered Dad, can I help you bring your books upstairs? And the father said, sure, son, you may join me. And as he was bringing books one by one, the, 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 the son struggled to bring books, but he tried his best, and the father went, was going back and forth and watching his son as he was doing so, but he was busy doing his work, when all of a sudden this young boy saw a big book on the shelf and decided that he was going to test his strength. He grabbed the book started making his way. He walked okay for a little bit, but once he got, got to the stairs, it was just too difficult. He tried to drag the book up, but it was just too heavy to carry. He had picked up a burden that was bigger than himself. And realizing that he couldn't carry that burden, he stopped on the stairs and started to cry. And his father was coming up and seeing his son was touched by what he saw. And realizing that his son couldn't carry his load, the father picked up the book and his boy and brought both upstairs. Isn't that what God is like? Oh, there are some times in our lives where we pick up burdens that are much bigger than ourselves. And, and, and we struggle and sometimes we pause in, on, that, on that journey in the, the middle of that staircase and we put our burden down and we begin to cry and say, God, I just can't go any further. And that's where he finds us. And he takes us both and our burdens and carries us. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Amen. This is the type of father we have. When Habakkuk thought about this kind of God, he realized that there was something else that was missing in the middle of his song. In the middle of his struggles, in the middle of his troubles, there is one thing that often get, gets impacted as you're journeying with Christ, and that is your ability to walk. When burdens bear heavy on you, it is hard to move your feet. And Habakkuk gives us a lovely picture. You will make my feet like hind's feet. A hind is a female deer. A female deer doesn't have horns to protect herself, but she is quick on her feet. She knows how to run. She knows how to jump. jump. She knows how to get out of trouble. She, she can move with agility. I read that a deer can run up to 30 to 35 miles per hour to escape its predators. You will make my feet like hinds feet. Beloved, we don't have much to protect ourselves in this world of sin and sorrow. We receive many blows. 
And if there's one thing that Satan is after in the Christian walk is yours and my feet. He seeks to knock us down so we can't walk anymore. I often wonder why we call it we, we, we fell. Christians who are on this journey walk and we often fall. And God is in the business of giving us better feet so that we can walk and run. Somewhere in the Bible it says, when the time come we shall walk and not be, we shall run and never, oh yes, brothers and sisters, there is a time. Our weary feet, often on this side of the universe, makes it difficult to move with agility. We slow down, we, we hop, we crawl, and we just can't seem to get away fast enough. But he will make my feet like Heinz feet. Doesn't always remove our problems. Doesn't always take away our troubles. But sometimes he equips us to walk in the midst of it all. And he will make me walk on my high hills. You see, sometimes we find ourselves dwelling in the lowlands of our Christian life, our Christian walk. And those times are predominantly when we're experiencing problems. But God wants us to dwell higher. But he knows it's very difficult for us to walk on that journey and to get to that higher ground. And so he says, I'm going to change how you walk. I'm going to give you better feet. I'm going to equip you. David wrote about the deer when he said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. The deer understands that he is constantly being hunted. He is keen to listen to the slightest sound and the slightest movement. And when she is afraid or when she realizes that there is danger, she jumps and runs 30, 35 miles per hour. And there it is. The enemy loses. Brothers and sisters, for one, I wish I could run 30 to 35 miles per hour. I would break every world record. But God provides something far better than it is when, it, when we, than uh, breaking a record. God gives us the agility, the ability to jump, to run, even while we're going through, through problems. And so we can sing joyfully because God is in the business of transforming us, making us more like him. There are enemies for the deer, so there are enemies for the Christian. In life, so many things come at you, so many things come at me, and if it's not one thing, it's another. Have you seen problems lately? Are there any end steals in this room? Is, is it trouble with your health, the car, the kids, your marriage, maybe kind of rocky? Financially, you just can't seem to make ends meet. Someone you loved passed away and you are heavy at heart. What is your trouble? What is your burden? I wish we could end our stories, our burdens, with prayer, like Habakkuk. And say in song, the Lord will make my feet like Hind's feet. 
and make me dwell on my high hills. I wish we could say like Habakkuk, though, though there's no food, no nothing on the vine, no cattle in the stall, that we may say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Beloved, are you happy? There is a good God on the throne that we serve. Beloved, are you happy that there is a God who is in control? Amen. Friends, I want to end with bringing our burdens to the Lord. But I want to end with prayer. But more, I want you to lay those burdens down at Jesus' feet and ask him to give you the ability to walk away from here with peace and joy, rejoicing, because that is what he does. Are you burdened? I want to appeal to you that if there's anyone here, I, I want to say a very special word of prayer with you. If there's anyone here who has a burden that they want to lay before the Lord so that they may find peace and happiness and joy, being able to rejoice, Leaving here, I invite you to stand with me. If there's any who want to say, Lord, I need the peace that only you can give. I need the agility, the ability to walk, to stand, to run, rejoicing, filled with your power and your goodness. I invite you to stand. We can end our stories today with deliverance. Habakkuk's book ends there. His last words, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. We can end our stories here too. God is good, and he can deliver. All eyes bowed and all eyes closed. We come before a God who knows how to relieve our burdens. He's an expert. He's the physician who heals the sick. Our Father really cares. He cares deeply for all of us. And today we want to pray, Father in heaven, we come to you now asking that you change our perspective. Help us to see that in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of the things that we're going through, in the matter of the difficulty, that you are there to care for us. That you give us the ability to walk, to move around with agility, even though our burdens may be heavy. I pray and ask that as we come before you now, that you may... Do for us that which we cannot do for ourselves. We pray that you carry us. Take our burdens too. Relieve us, Lord. We pray that you may give us joy. Replace the darkness of our experience with light. And give us hope. And take away discouragement. Help us to learn to love you and trust in you more. And help us to follow you wherever you lead. We love you, Lord. 
We love you because of how much you've done. We love you because of who you are. And we love you because of what you've made us to be. Father, please continue to be with us, especially through this week. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.